Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Friends Church. Uh, my name is Alessandra. This is Adam. That's Andrew over there. And we're so happy that you're here uh, on this cloudy day. And if you're streaming, we're also happy that you're here. So welcome. Just uh, There's coffee at the back. If you want to have coffee, go and grab one. I think um, tea, maybe. I don't know. Um, and join us. And uh, let's take a deep breath and have... Uh, have some time together. This song is called It's All Right. It's kind of my version of like, this too shall pass. It's all right. Thank you, Trevor. And I am very insulted that you don't read the emails. And uh, no. <laughs> I'm totally joking. Um, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Friends. Glad you're here this morning. I, uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to Greg and Willow, I think I saw them come in, newly married, just yesterday, it was a special day, so happy for you too, it's awesome, so great. So, uh, I I don't know what your hobbies are, one of mine, I've always enjoyed working uh, in the yard, and so... That's kind of a thing that I invest a fair amount of time in. We have a dog, though. I was always worried about the family getting a dog for the one reason that the, by the time spring cleanup happens, I got dead patches of lawn all over the place. And uh, that, that has been a definite cramp in my style. Uh, so, like, for the first part of the spring, I'm constantly trying to get grass to grow where it, like, got completely destroyed. And uh, so anyways, I'm out the other day, uh, and I've been working at, you know, all these, repairing it all, and replanting seed, and growing stuff. Kathy came out and just, uh, you know, was looking from the deck out, and, and she said, uh, what's with all the dead spots? I thought you were repairing those. <laughs> and she, it was just a question, Right. But I had been laboring over these dead spots for a while, and they weren't responding the way I was hoping. And I, I know I snapped. Like, I, 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 I won't say what I said. Um, but I, it was sarcastic and uh, defensive. <laughs> and... I looked back and I could tell instantly that she was number one surprised by what I said, but it stung. And, you know, in my mind when I heard her ask me what, what was with them, I kind of had, uh, I, like, it was just instant gut reaction, but I felt like maybe she was taking a shot at me or something. I don't know. I, and, and so I looked back, and, and as soon as I saw her reaction, I was like, oh, no, oh, no. Regret just filled me in that moment. And she walked inside, and I'm just like... Didn't need to say that. Throughout the day, I, I couldn't help but wonder why I would get so defensive over something so silly. Have you ever had moments? When was the last time you had moments where you, something came out of you or just an, 
and knee-jerk instant reaction left you kind of going, wait, what am I doing? Or worse, maybe you caught yourself going, oh, I just did that again. Or I said that again. Now sometimes, sometimes it's, maybe it's a sarcastic comment like I made, but it might not have been that at all. Maybe, maybe for you it was a controlling kind of behavior where you were trying to influence someone to do something that they were, or to stop doing something they were doing or to or make them do something they didn't want to do. And you, <clears throat> it didn't go well. Maybe it was an a- angry comment out of fear or panic. Maybe you find yourself after the fact going, why did I agree to that again? Why do I keep saying yes to those things? And then later you're just like, ugh. How often after these moments go down where something you did or said, committed to, are you left kind of wondering, what just happened there? What's with me? How often do you take note of how often these kinds of things happen? How often do you, are you able to kind of look and examine what went wrong? Or do you? funny, it was Paul the Apostle. He's kind of one of the spiritual heavyweights of the Christian tradition. If you read through the Bible, there's a number of books that he's attributed authorship to. But I can tell he was having, or he had had a number of these moments when he was looking back going, oh, what's going on? He, in Romans 7, he has this passage, really interesting. He says, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way and then I go in the other, doing things, he says, doing things I absolutely despise. <gasps> he says, <laughs> at one point later in the past, he says, obviously I need help. <laughs> he says, I realize I don't have what it takes. I can will something, to, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but then I don't really do it. I decide to do <laughs> not to do bad, but then I go ahead and do that. Something, he says, has gone deeply wrong within me, and it gets the better of me every time. He says, it's like parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they kind of take over. Here's one of the greatest spiritual ancestors that we have in the Christian tradition who's saying, man, sometimes I just, I feel powerless over certain parts of my life or I just notice myself engaging in certain things. I, I can't figure out how to control these things. If you look back through some of the tradition, especially stories 
within the Bible, it seemed there was a, a, some who would say, I think they wouldn't come right out and say it, but it was like the devil made me do it. There's some kind of evil force out there, and it conspired and took over and said those things. That wasn't me. I, I kind of like that excuse. You know, it's like, Kev, that wasn't me. I don't know who said that, but that was not what I was saying. I didn't. Nowadays, it seems there's a lot more, perhaps, understanding of what drives a lot of human behavior. And it's complicated. But there's amazing things to learn, both kind of looking out amongst all kinds of different people and what they're doing and why they're doing it, and, and why even ourselves, what, how we're wired, what, what is driving underneath these patterns of behavior that we end up engaging in. That's actually our topic this morning. We want to explore some of this area of why it is we find ourselves doing certain things, falling into certain patterns. And I say we because intentionally, because I, I, it's not just going to be me. I've invited Miranda Steinwand to come and join me this morning. Some of you will remember Miranda uh, pre-pandemic. She has been a part, her and Ryan have been a part of our community. Yeah, come on up, Miranda. Uh, yeah, well, you can welcome her, sure. Sure, you're a friendly bunch. You're saying, yeah, come on up, Miranda. Thank you, Miranda, for joining us. Gosh, my pleasure. Uh, Miranda has actually taught on the stage here before. She <laughs> is, um, she's led workshops here at Friends Church for our community, um, things known as the Enneagram. Yep. You've taught about a whole bunch of different things. Miranda is a spiritual director, and to be honest, probably one of the most curious people I know about human behavior and understanding this kind of thing that we're talking about this morning. And I, I wanted to explore this. I, I reached out to you right away and said, Miranda, would you, would you please come in <laughs> and help us talk about this and, and get into this? So thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is fun to be up here again. This is um, a topic that you're very familiar with, obviously. Yes. But um, as we chatted, and we've been chatting over the years, this is like kind of this propensity to go, wait a second, what's going on? It's, it, it's something that probably came more intuitively to you than maybe for some. Yeah. Uh, Jeff and I were talking the other day, and he was like, well, you know, when was the first time you had that moment where you were like, why did I do that? And I was like, my whole life. <laughs> my whole life. Now, let me, let me just say, this does not make, I'm not enlightened in any shape or form. This is, that was actually probably more of a protection thing. I was someone who policed my emotions very well. So if something went off or I reacted in a way that was not conducive with this idealized self that I was bringing forth to people, I was quick to be on it and be like, what was that? How do I stop that from happening again? So the good thing is, is it ended up helping me uh, later on, because I already had that kind of habit uh, developed hmm. to uh, ask myself, why did I do that? What was that? What was that feeling? Where, can you think back to kind of maybe certain things that you did do that where you're going, oh, oh that's, 
that's problem. That's going to be a problem or whatever that you tried to curb or. Yeah, like okay, so. There's going to be like. I need you to make me feel okay. better about myself. So <laughs> I can do that for you. Share all the gory details you need to. <laughs> so you know, I'll share maybe like there's some smaller habits that sometimes can like are just little little habits that kind of are part of a bigger habit. Um, one that I will talk about is a bigger habit or a pattern of mine that probably is like, it's not in any way done. It's still being worked on, but um, Alessandra probably can attest to this. I've done it to her. Uh, there's been moments where I have been, I've gone to people that I really love that are close to me and all I could see them doing was like ignoring me. Like, why are they ignoring me? Like, what did, I, what did I do wrong? Oh no, did I, did I not do something to make them feel loved? Did I do something to tick them off? Um, and then I'm mad at them because it's like, how, how dare they ignore me? Like, I, they're rejecting me. And so I do one of three things. I either pull back really hard and go, well, I don't care, I don't need you. I can just take care of myself. I, or I will um, power up and be like, oh my gosh, I need to, push into them a little bit deeper and be like, how can I, how, what can I do for you? I noticed that you needed me in some way. How can I love you more? Or I will like actually go after them in a, how dare you reject me? What, what, look what you did. Is there anyone that can relate to any form of pattern? Maybe you can just do one of them. Yeah, some people are like, not at all. What's wrong with her? <laughs> so like you started noticing how you do that? What brought out yeah. the observation? Because sometimes we're doing this so instinctually we don't see it. Uh, it was probably about the thousandth time that I've done it that I was like, hmm. And, I, and, and it was mostly when I started to all of a sudden go to the person and be like, you did this thing and it hurt. And they're going, I didn't do that thing. I didn't. I was just doing my own thing and I didn't see you. You just kind of ran away and I didn't get to mm. talk to you. And then it was kind of like, oh... So, so what you're saying is, it wasn't you, there might be something about me. Okay, so something inside. And then that led to, okay, what was that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I know for me, I've had this pattern um, when people would ask for something from me. Um, I didn't want to disappoint them. That was kind of, and so I would say, uh, Sure. I wouldn't really think it through, um, but it was like, the answer was almost always yes, and I figured in my head, I'll, I'll figure out a way. Yeah. And then, inevitably, I would really struggle to follow through with them, or I would follow through with them, but at the expense of something else. Yeah. And then, almost always, I would then be angry at them. <laughs> so they had just simply asked me for a favor, now I'm like, I don't want to talk to them. And they're like, mm, are we okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, hey, fine. You got what you needed, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're like, okay. Uh, but probably the thousandth time I began, or hundred thousandth yeah. time, and still doing this, I began to realize, wow, um, I, why did I have to say yes? Why? Uh, anyways, that yeah. was kind of my. I'm, I'm starting to connect the dots. Going, oh, I, yeah. I, I, 
I'm doing that again and again. I can't. So you started learning or you started seeing these patterns. What did you do with those? Like, Well, I don't want to like go into the Enneagram yet because we will talk. But sure. So I learned the Enneagram actually quite a long time ago. So I kind of already was familiar with some of the things that, you know, the patterns and stuff that they kind of showed. So is that, is that when all of a sudden it started making sense? Yeah. So you could spot some of this stuff happening yeah. and you're going, wait a second, I, maybe the story I made up isn't whatever that, but then you took the Enneagram. Has anyone ever heard of the Enneagram? Okay. So, um, yeah, maybe, maybe before we get into that, you could yeah. just tell us quickly what the Enneagram is. Okay, so the Enneagram is a self-assess or a self-awareness, self-development tool. It's made up of nine different types, uh, which are basically nine different ways that we see the world, ourselves, and others in. Um, nine different lenses of ways to look at the world. Um, basically, it's ways that we learn to survive our world, our life. So we kind of tucked into these certain patterns, uh, personalities, in order to survive and thrive. And they worked really well as we were, when we were children. Mm -hmm. They helped us get to where we were. As we get older, they stop working so well. Um, what happens is like our ego, which is the thing that drives those patterns, is kind of in the driver's seat and we're totally unaware. And so we're sitting in the passenger, it's driving, and we are kind of on like autopilot. And so we're not aware of these things that show up and just, well, this is just how I react. This is how I respond. But it's, there's actually a lot of stuff at play underneath. So, you, so the Enneagram, you, you take this assessment tool, much like maybe a personality test or whatever, it kind of points out, hmm, maybe this kind of is kind of a style of operating in the world that you yep. have taken on, whatever. So you do the Enneagram, and all of a sudden it kind of starts describing... Pretty accurately, or uh, yeah, yeah, painfully, Pain <laughs> painfully accurately, yeah. Like, and, and so you start learning more about maybe what's under the surface going yeah. on inside of you, and why you tend to make up those stories about people who aren't necessarily responding to you. Like, yeah, well, yeah, and I and I think too. So I'm just going to total side thing, sure. but also I think having really good people in your life, they reflect back to you and mirror to you some of your behavior as well. So I think I had really great people that were like, what's this? <laughs> Why are you doing that? That's her. What's this going on here? <laughs> you know, this is, not, this is not you. And it's like, oh, she sees something. Oh, no. But so, yeah, the, it showed kind of things. And so you're kind of like, oh. So because it named it, you're like, all of a sudden I have language around that thing. Yeah. And now I can start to, it, once you know something, you can't unknow it. So yeah. now... My brain is now looking a little bit for those moments that so, that thing's going to so play out. So just describe like, so uh, something that you learned from taking the Enneagram about you that maybe described that kind of behavior. Could you do that just to give people an example of... Something that I learned within that... Within the Enneagram. When you took it and it's saying, oh, Miranda, by the way, this is kind of how you maybe operate. Yeah. Okay. So uh, for those of you who know the Enneagram and don't, I guess, I'm... Uh, type as a two. And one of the patterns of the two is that we, I remember this, reading this thing and being like, no. But it's like, we give love in order to get a need met. 
And it was really, really shameful because it's like, no, I do not. I'm just, I purely give because I love people. Mm-hmm. Um, but the pattern I expressed earlier was a representation of that I have needs that I'm very unaware of. Mm-hmm. So the twos don't really know their needs very well because the needs are very threatening. And so there's this need and I needed people to see me, but I don't actually know how to call out for it. So I, so I either will give extra love to get that need met, to be like, I need you to see worth and value in me, or, mm-hmm. or I can, my pride can deflate and I can go back. But. So you start f- seeing these patterns kind of as someone else who yeah. doesn't know you is saying, actually, there is kind of a pattern, uh, m- maybe in this style. You're looking at the pattern going, wait a second, that is maybe it. Yeah. Did it, did it, so knowing this stuff, yeah. starting to learn about maybe some of your wiring underneath, did it change the way that you began operating the world? Did it move the dial? Did it improve things? Yeah, well, there's a twofold to that, uh, which I know we'll get into a little no, bit. No, I think, no, but no, we'll, we'll flow here. Uh, I did notice it, and then what I started to do was try to like bulldoze myself in the other direction. So it's like I'm someone who will not have needs, and I'll stop the the, the bleeding, uh, you know, the hurt before I ever go to somebody. Um, I just lost my train of thought well, here. No, <laughs> do you find that it helped in any way? Did it make you oh, more yes. aware? Yeah, so um, I started to bulldoze and do the things opposite, but what it ended up doing was actually causing my nervous system to be really overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So it actually ended up harming me a little bit mm-hmm. when I started to be like, oh, no, don't do that thing. Do this thing. That's the way that the thing is telling me to go. And so I started to do that, uh, but it actually ended up, hurting me. So there's, a, there's another way to do it huh. that huh. it does not cause that kind of harm or overwhelm to the system. But in the process of the Enneagram, and, yep. and as it begins to spell out maybe reasons why you're doing certain things, what you're trying to get out of yep. it, even though it can, so it has some dark sides to it, and I want to bring that out in a second. But as far as the awareness, or just even that ability to be able to go, uh-oh, I might be doing that thing again, or whatever. Like, did, it, did you get better at being able to catch yourself at different times before things got really bad, or? Yes, but it took a really long time. <laughs> yeah. Like, so now I can say that when those emotions show up in a, with a friend or a group of people where I'm starting to feel like, oh no, they don't see me, I'm a nobody, no one cares about me, I now know that that's, oh, there's, I'm not feeling, like, I'm not connected to me. Something's going on with my own heart. Mm-hmm. So I'm not reactive. I don't, now I pause. There's a pause there where I can go, okay, can I be with what mm-hmm. is here? And can I reach out to other people? Mm-hmm. To be like, this is how I'm feeling. I need extra support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it definitely did. But that was like many, many years of... It's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's kind of this system is kind of like, okay, so, you know, I might see a pattern happen... Two, and be like, oh, two months ago, oh my gosh, I did that thing. But it was like, 
okay, and then like maybe, and then it's like two weeks apart. Oh, I saw that, oh, I did that a couple weeks ago. And it gets closer and closer until eventually Mm -hmm. you're in the moment. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, that thing is, I can feel I want to do that thing. Yeah. I'm still going to do it, but I know what's happening now. (laughs) Yeah. And then eventually I get to choose. I'm going to pause and I'm going to choose not to do that thing. I'm going to choose something different. Right. But it takes a lot of time. Yeah, and I appreciate that caution because sometimes we can present this kind of fairy tale story that says, look, once you figure out your pattern, away you go. And you don't even have to worry about that anymore. It's in your rearview mirror. Yeah, no. You know, uh, it's funny because when I originally did some of this initial investigation, through actually through the Enneagram, helping me understand this, there were times where Vince and I were kind of exploring it together. And he'd, you know, and I'd say, yeah, sometimes I I do this and and that leads me down this path. And so uh, uh, the number of times I'd be doing that very thing, and Vince would say, mm, "Are you maybe?" You know, he's pulling a, you know, Alessandra. Uh, what's going on here? I'm like, "Am I doing it again?" Oh yeah, yeah. St- okay, no, forget it. I'm not saying yes to you anymore. Yeah, no. And, and it was like, oh, so tricky. Yeah. Being able to to take what you had originally learned and catching yourself sooner and sooner. So, anyways, uh, yeah, we don't want to present it like it's. No. But these moments of awareness. When all of a sudden, yeah. you know, and however long it takes where you kind of go, oh, oh, I think I'm falling into that pattern again. Oh, oh, I'm, okay, okay, wait. Oh, rewarding? Like, I know for me, when I have been able to step out of my usual instinctual robot pattern of what Jeff would normally do and go, no, I'm not doing it that, this time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to react differently. Yeah. Oh, is that an amazing experience? There's a lot of freedom there, that's for sure. Yeah. 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 You're not bound by something. Right. Yeah. So it, normally, like even as a spiritual director, yeah. you have people coming in going, I want to learn this more. I want to, like, do you lead them to the Enneagram first? Or, like, or what do you normally, what's your process to helping people pay more attention, growing in their awareness of who they are or where they've been? Or Yeah, so I... Uh... I do lead them to the Enneagram. I tend to be, I'm an Enneagram practitioner as well, so that tends to be my niche uh, and a little bit more of my specialty. Um, I think it's just a really great, there's a lot of tools. Enneagram is just one tool. It's not the end all and be all. Um, But it's a really good map. So it can show us the different places. It won't tell us how to get there or the different pathways we're gonna do, but it at least gives us something to be like, maybe, Uh, No, not that thing, but maybe this thing. You know, um, it gives us places to look and go. Mm -hmm. So I usually start with that. I also do, um, I'll get into this. So when we talk about awareness, it's not just a, you know, mental awareness. So we are three-centered people. So we have our head intelligence, we have our heart intelligence, we have our body intelligence. And when we do this awareness work, it has to be all three of them that are connected. So we can know all this stuff all we want, but often our patterns don't come from here, they actually start in our body, and then the body gets reactive, and then the head comes into and creates the story. Mm -hmm. And so I tend to do a lot of work with body so that we can get connected to patterns. I do a lot of mirroring and reflecting so that when they're telling me stories and I'm seeing, oh, so you do that, have you noticed you did that in all three of those things? You know, so we do a lot of different ways that are, all, that are including all three of our mm-hmm. centers in order because you actually won't go anywhere if you only do it from up here. 
we can know a lot of things, but it actually doesn't change any of our behaviors. We can't logic our way into no. maybe the behavior that we want to live out. Absolutely. You know, it's funny, as we're even talking about this, I could see some people going, yeah, I'm not really just that interested in any of that. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm okay. fine. I'm fine. Um, but if you've been around here long enough, you'll know that what we promote here is, is a spirituality that is more of a way of living than it is just a center of beliefs. It's not like we're trying to just get people's beliefs screwed on straight. So, oh, yeah, I, I know what I believe. No, it's, this way of spirituality is actually, Jesus said, love your neighbor. <laughs> love God, love your neighbor, love yourself. And that process is a continual journey of trying to figure out, what am I, why am I sabotaging doing that? It's like I'm getting in my own way. I'm maybe doing things that are hurting these other people. So figure this journey, lifelong journey of trying to say, how can I stop doing that thing that I always seem to be doing yeah. is some of the most spiritual work you can do. So that's why we talk about the Enneagram or, or any different tool we can find that can say, can we wake up to some of the patterns that are going on so that we can find ourselves choosing maybe a better way. So this work, is, even as you're talking about it, I'm going, wow, remember us talking at, even at different times, head, head intelligence, heart, inte body intelligence. There have been times where we were saying, pay attention. Sometimes your body has woken you up in the middle of the night saying, all is not well. Or you're sitting there in the middle of a meeting and you're just twisted up inside. And your mind is going, no, we don't have a problem here. We don't have, but your body's telling the truth. And being able to grow in our intelligence of going, what is happening right now? What, something inside of me is saying something's off. Is that, is that how you... Uh, would, oh, yeah. Well, like, if you look at it like this, our, our nervous system transmits 11 million bits of information per second to the brain to process. Our nervous system. Yeah. So tied into our body. Yeah, yeah. so it's yeah, a really, yeah. this is a good transmitter to the brain. So our, our conscious mind can only actually process 50 bits per second. So that's a lot of stuff happening in the body and a lot of information your in body's comparison. taking in and then being like, well, oh, we'll store that, we'll store that. Yeah. The more we become aware of these different centers of intelligence, because yeah. perhaps we find ourselves in these moments where something's about to go sideways. And part of us is sending off the signals, but we aren't awake to it yet. Yeah. We're only listening to say something up here, but our body is sending off five bell alarms, but we haven't learned to pay attention to that yet. So what do we end up doing? <laughs> whatever we do, whatever your thing is, not realizing that maybe if we had grown in our ability to go, oh, I am not okay with the decision that we just made there. Something's not sitting right. I better go back. Or before I say this thing, I can feel something's boiling up and being able to pay attention. I remember you said something years ago to me when you went into a therapist and you were learning about all this stuff. And the therapist said, Miranda, your head is divorced from your body. Yep. Your head is trying to call the shots, but your body is screaming. We got issues, and you, weren't, you didn't know how to pay attention to that. Yep. So this is part of the process oh, yeah. of, of, of curiosity, of going, what is going on inside me? Why am I doing this? 
Oh, 100%. And, and another thing, your head sometimes will be ahead of your body. So you might know something up here to be true, like, oh, I know that I'm loved. I know that I belong. But your body's still responding like, no, we don't. No, we don't. So I'm going to react continually. And so, yeah, it's like wow, trying to it can integrate. Go either way. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty broad. <laughs> so I know you said that the Enneagram is just one tool. Yeah. But it can be a very effective tool. It kind of, I found it. Yeah. Accelerated the process for me to, you know, because I had been always observing little bits of my behavior at different times that were getting me in trouble. I had no way of really going, why am I doing that or how do I stop it or or whatever. When I took the Enneagram and all of a sudden it started kind of drawing boundaries around my my pattern, my influences, or and maybe why, what's going on? What am I looking for? What's my need? It was like, I remember the bells going off, going, holy crap, that thing's reading my mail. Yep. Could that be? What? So anyways, it kind of lasered in yep. this process of trying to explain and give answers to why I'm, I and explained a lot of my life. Mm-hmm. So I have been a promoter mm-hmm. of the Enneagram. Whenever I hear someone, I say, have you ever considered the Enneagram? They're going, what's that? And I go, oh. You're not familiar with any whatever. <laughs> and, and I know when we start into it, it's like, oh, this thing is so great. But when I talk to you now, you're going, eh, careful with the Enneagram. Can you talk yeah. about maybe, you know, the, maybe the dangers of, of that process too? Or the uh, warning? I'll say this. Uh, knowing the Enneagram is not doing the work. So you can know a lot of information and that's, it's not the word. Actually, let me ask you this. Yeah. How many have actually taken the Enneagram? Okay, we got hands going up all over. Let me just, and you don't have to answer this, but with what you know, <laughs> we come up with a number. Does it go beyond that? Does it fix anything knowing your number? Not necessarily. Sometimes we get it and we go, oh, great. I found out I'm a four. I'm a three. I'm an eight. But what we do with that, like you're saying, that doesn't fix anything. No. Just doing the exam. Exactly, yeah. So what does it do or what doesn't it do? Can you talk maybe about the, maybe the complications? Yeah, I think sometimes we can, we can know a little bit too much. We can, we can have a hmm. lot of information, and I think what it does is it boxes us in even further. Um, and, so, and I think it gets us a little stuck. Uh, some things might not actually apply to you, like you're not... The whole point of the Enneagram is that you're actually not your type. You're, the, mm. the Enneagram is interested in taking you out of the box. Mm. Um, so we can, we can know too much information and get a little bit, um, I would say, almost like distracted by knowing all this stuff so that we don't actually have to feel into any of it. Uh, maybe I could say this. Sometimes you get labeled... And then you go, oh, well, that explains why I do what I do. And it almost becomes an excuse for our oh, 100%. behaviors. Yeah. We go, well, you know what? I'm a whatever. And this, so that's why I do this. So yeah. get used to it. That's just me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas you would say, no, the point of it isn't to say you're, you're fixed. No. This is you. No, these are your tendencies. Yeah. And there's probably explanations to why you fall into that pattern. Yeah. But the beautiful news is we, we can actually evolve so that that doesn't have to completely control our lives. Exactly. We have choice. Yeah. So like our Enneagram patterns, like 
I don't know if we'll talk about this, well, but no, like, just, well, just the, there are ways that we learn to survive and ways that we like um, learn to be okay. And so our nervous system at a young age would get really overwhelmed. And so we developed intelligently our bodies and our minds and developed these ways to be able to get along and to move and to continue on. Mm -hmm. um, and as we get older, maybe they're not working so well anymore. Maybe they're grinding up against relationships or even just not internally working very well for us anymore. Yeah, and so then we start to... Well, yeah, like it's, this is interesting because I, I think there have been many times where I've found myself figuring out who I, how I typically operate. Yeah. I grow awareness around some of the things that I'm doing that hurts others, hurts myself. And then I, I can't catch myself in time. Yeah. And then I go ahead and do it. It's almost like this new awareness now is just an opportunity for me to beat myself up again. It's like, yeah. Jarvis, why do you keep doing that? How many times have you grown in a little bit of awareness to see a pattern or something you do? And then all of a sudden now it's like, you freaking loser. You know better. And you actually, uh, the other day, you went yeah. off on this. Like yes, you're going, I, love that. I love that you're reading my mind because that was where I was going with this was, man, we can be so hard on ourselves about these things and hmm. that can be really, really uh, detrimental to actually going anywhere hmm. and healing. Um, the Enneagram, first and foremost, is, a, is about self-compassion. You cannot do this work without it. Uh, and it's not just like cheering yourself on here, being like, no, I can do it, I'm okay, this is, you're good. You, you didn't know better, you, you know, you'll do better. It's actually embodied. It has to be an embodied compassion. And what I mean by that is, there was this, um, a child psychologist, her name's Dr. Becky, I don't know if, if you've heard her podcast, but she had this analogy where she talked about how, uh, about building kids that are more resilient. And she talked about, Say you're at this park, and there's all these benches in the park, and these, these benches represent big, hard emotions, big events that happen were really difficult. Um, and so your kid has this moment where maybe they weren't invited to the birthday party that all their friends were invited to. And so they're sitting on this bench. And our habit is to go over to that bench and to go, you know what? That girl isn't even that good of a friend. How about I'll take you out and we'll go do our own fun thing. How about that? Like, you're such a loving person. Everyone else likes you. And so we take that kid off the bench. Embodied compassion says, oh, you're on that bench? I'm going to sit on that bench with you. Oh, what you're feeling? That feels hard. You're feeling big things. I'm going to sit with you in those big things. I'm not going to fix them. I'm not going to berate them. I'm not going to judge them. I'm going to be with you to help you sit and be able to process and hold big things. And when, I, when she told this story, I was like, oh my gosh, that's the work we're doing with ourselves. When we're on the bench, we want to take ourselves off that bench right away. But instead, what if I sat with myself on the bench? What if I said, oh man, you're having big feelings right now. Oof, those are hard. I'm going to sit with you and I'm going to just like stay present. I'm not going anywhere. This teaches your body, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. Mm -hmm. So it's an embodied compassion. It has to be an embodied compassion. Even as, as you're saying that, I'm thinking back to my experience the other day. I'm out in the yard. Kathy comes down and says, what's with the dead spots? And what are you doing about them? Probably, and I say that, and Kathy will be listening to me right now going, that's not how I said it. You know, whatever, okay. Yeah, that's how I heard it. Yeah. That's how it landed, right? Yeah. And there's probably a part of me, if I was like really honest, 
that was like, ouch. Yeah. Frick, that hurt. And she didn't mean to do that. But there's a part of me that's wants so bad to, to get this all looking right and have her come out and go, wow. Right? And so I react wrong, just get defensive. Hurt her. Now I'm going, frick, Jarvis. Now I'm in this world of hurt. But what I hear here is going, Jeff, sit on the bench. What are you, what's going on here? Why, what happened? And if I could have just in that moment of curiosity went, I'm, I'm sad a little bit that she saw the dead spots and not the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just the honest. I, I never admit that, or I, I wouldn't even noticed it in the moment. But to be able to go, oh, I'm kind of hurt. And, frick, I shouldn't have reacted that way, but to be having compassion on myself, in that moment, go, there's a reason why you got upset. Yeah. You're, you're hurt. And no, didn't justify the action. But it's okay, it's okay. But going easy on yourself, that's what I was hearing. So how many times do you find yourself, maybe you're in that point where you're going, oh, why did I make a mess of this? This child psychologist is going, sit down with yourself. Go, it's okay. Don't run off. Don't just try to shoot this under the rug. Don't get, no, you're feeling something. It's okay. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I think if we could practice a little bit more self-compassion, it'd be amazing. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. It's a practice. Like, this doesn't just all simply like, oh, not one. I didn't know I could do that. Now I know. It's, you have to do it over and over and over and over again until it becomes habitual, yeah. becomes habit. I sometimes wonder how much curiosity we avoid when things have gone wrong, when we find ourselves in behavior patterns we don't like, doing things that have hurt others or hurt ourselves, where if we... If we had top of mind or close by the sense of go easy on yourself, how much more curiosity would happen? Oh, yeah. How much more we'd be able to just say, wait a second, why did I just do that? <laughs> <laughs> wow, did I ever make a mess of things? But <laughs> I'm really curious. What brought that on? No judgment. No judge. How much more we could learn from ourselves? Okay. This is, we could talk we could about talk forever. this forever, oh, yeah. can mm-hmm. we? I think the point of all of this is to really invite us into these moments of curiosity with ourselves. Whether you're young or old, it's never too early, it's never too late to just be able to kind of start thinking deeper and wider about why we're doing and bring us to a place where maybe all of a sudden, before we just fall into the pattern, we kind of go, hey, wait a second. Maybe I don't need to do that right now. I am going to choose something a little different today. And we're going to make this go a little bit better. Mm-hmm. As I was uh, chatting with um, Alessandra this week, she was saying, Whoo, that reminds me of this song that we did a little while ago. And I was like, Oh, I love that tune from the Stars Born soundtrack. And uh, in fact, I invited them to come and, and play. I'm going to get the band to play. Miranda, as as we kind of wrap up our message this morning and this kind of discussion, if there was someone out here that was saying, I, I have not really learned how to do this, but I'd like to, I'd like to start trying or be more intentional, yeah. what would you recommend? Okay, so I know some people are going to disagree with me on this, but meditation is like for everybody. <laughs> it's, 
it gives, it's, the, it's the intentionally, I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna be with what is here. Whether my, I watch my brain zip by and catch it and bring it back. Like it's the intentionally being present with yourself in the moment because that's what this work is. It's like I can be present with what is coming up in the moment. Um, or any practice that does some kind of breath work or some kind of intentional movement work that is about being in the body, present, and allowing whatever without judgment, uh, without fixing, to be present here. Um, I think the Enneagram is, I'm I'm an advocate, I think it's always a a nice place to kind of just check out and to start. Um, I also think that this work is best done in, I loved your we song, and I think that's so true. We don't do this alone. I know it's like, well, self-awareness itself, but it's actually, it's done together. It's mm-hmm. best done in community. Mm-hmm. It's best done when other people can reflect back to you and mirror to you. Mm. Um, and books, uh, any book, any kind of sacred book, like the Bible, or you know, if there's other books that really speak to you, that create uh, or engage that curiosity muscle. Uh, those those are ones that we want to be participate, participating in a little bit more to just kind of start being like, why, you know, getting more curious. Why, mm-hmm. why do I do that? You know, if you're, if you're even just needing a little coaching, you can come and see Miranda. She has a practice. She'd be happy to help you. We're talking about possibly an Enneagram workshop this fall that we'd run uh, for our community. We want to grow as individuals in our awareness of who we are, what we're becoming, and uh, our patterns, and so we invite you to be more curious this week. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask. Can we thank Miranda this morning for the role that My she pleasure. played? Thank you, Miranda. This is awesome. We'll close with this song this morning. Enjoy. Have a beautiful week, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs>